I want to take you back in time. Come with me to my very first job at a nonprofit right out of university. I was a fundraiser at a women's shelter that was run as a collective, which means that they had to have consensus across the management team on decisions. And in theory, that made a lot of sense for the organization's mission and values. And there were about seven or eight managers, no executive director, and decisions had to be made collectively. It was supposed to be equal. But in reality, I saw really interesting interpersonal dynamics play out where there were some people who were definitely more dominant and led the conversation, participated more, and ultimately got their way. Um, And I've seen that type of dynamic now over and over again in organizations, not necessarily run as collectives, even across board tables. You know, there's always people who are going to speak more, I'm sometimes guilty of that, uh, and who dominate more. And typically, that's what uh, where, where we follow in terms of outcomes or decisions. And so I'm really excited today to have uh, Susan Laux on the podcast because we are talking about that. The more we understand and are actively trying to break down traditional power dynamics and make sure there's space around the table, not just for people to sit, but to contribute and make decisions, we need to look at those dynamics and the process by which decisions are made. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and you're listening to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, where we're going to share with you practical and down-to-earth advice on how to run your small nonprofit. You are here to change the world, and we are here to help. Susan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation, partly because so many organizations I know struggle with their boards. Uh, We know how important they are, but oftentimes the boards are not optimized to have the impact that I think board members want and organizations want. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, I'd love to get started. Let's kind of just maybe rant for a little bit. Talk about some of the challenges that organizations face with governance and not optimizing uh, the role of the board in a meaningful way. Sure. And we can talk about, I mean, this is really applicable to boards, but it's also applicable to organizations in general. So Mm. any place where decisions are being made, but board decisions are really important decisions. And so this is very relevant to them. So there's different problems. And I think you're wise to sort of have us break them down because depending on what's presenting as the main problem, you're going to try and find something that matches that, right? So, So some organizations, I would say a lot of organizations don't have a process, a process leading up to decision making that feels robust. And this is critical, right? Because we want to, the way we make good decisions is we get everybody's voice in the room. 
And I think people really struggle with that. They don't know how to do that well. And without that, it becomes the loudest people or more confident people or the people who are traditionally the ones who are saying stuff. So so that's a one kind of problem. I don't okay? know what you're talking about. I've <laughs> never experienced that. <laughs> I, like, like we all, I think there's you're in good company if you're experiencing that. It's yeah. really a typical issue. It's so pervasive. So yeah, yeah. that's so, one kind of problem. Okay. There's about two or three others. Another is that people don't understand how they're actually making decisions. There's no clarity. And so people, some people may think that you've made a decision when you really haven't made a decision. They'll go on starting to implement a decision. And the other folks are not clear the decision has been made. So there can be confusion about what actually a decision looks like and how that happens. Mm. That's a little bit different. And yet another problem is that sometimes when you're actually making a decision, it's not clear um, what, who's, who's invested in this decision, who um, or else who just doesn't care and doesn't want to be bothered with it. So that's a, to, to get some better sense of how much investment is, in deci- is that behind this decision is yet another aspect that gets tricky. Mm, interesting. So I'm sure... Most people are sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, that's me, or I've experienced that, because certainly all of these resonate a lot with my experience um, in this sector. So very often, you know, it's there's not a clear or there hasn't been a clear way to talk about these things and fix it. Uh, And so often we see boards adopt things like Robert's rule, which is very common, but I actually don't know if people really know what it is uh, or really understand that there are good alternatives as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, first of all, you know, what are some of the existing models? And and then we'll, once we talk about that, we'll probably talk about alternative models. Okay. Yeah. I think um, the Robert's rules tends to be a default for a lot of organizations and, and it has a certain formality, which organizations want, right? They want their decisions to feel real. So they go for this sort of, and they, they know if they say I or nay, that will feel a little weird and official. And then you can, you know, call it a decision. But Robert's rules, of course, is much more considerable. Um, this gentleman, Henry, Henry Martin Robert, he, in 1876, he created this set of rules based on legislative bodies, um, even though it was for non-legislative bodies. He was trying to do things that I think a lot of us would agree with. He was trying to get a lot of voices into the room. He was trying to make a clear decision rule. But the problem is that um, he was making it uh, these rules often for groups that were very disparate coming together. We tend to see organizations that uh, have a lot of common ground that are smaller. That degree of formality feels really cumbersome to them. And so people don't really use Robert's rules. They really want something that has a lot more than just simple majority agreement, but they don't really know how to, to do that effectively. So they just kind of they, they are in this in-between space where they're not really using Robert's rules and they're not really confident using a different decision method that really would, I think, um, enable them to get more voices into the room. Robert's rules is very based on debate 
and it tends to be a zero-sum game, right? So mm. there's winners and losers. Um, there are other ways to do it that encourage more of a, a making the pie bigger, as we say. Oh, that's such a good framing because that really sets us up nicely to talk about those alternatives. Because I do think that, especially I know our listeners are deeply committed to things like social justice and to make sure all voices are heard. And more and more as we see uh, organizations invest in having their boards represent the communities they serve, you know, these in my experience, this comes up a lot where you have people who are used to dominating the conversation and they get, they lead and they get what they want and everyone else feels silenced. I know uh, my own experience when I was quite a bit younger sitting on a board, I felt that due to my age, like I wasn't being, I wasn't able to contribute uh, in a meaningful way. And my voice didn't feel like it counted in the same way. So I think that this is something that most organizations are hungry for, right? We want to operate and we want to govern in a way that's aligned with our values and aligned with our mission. Um, so, and again, it, it really circles back to one of the first things you said around, you know, the, the loudest in the room or the most dominant seem to uh, lead those decisions. So let's talk about the alternative. What okay. have you found? How do we, let's bring it down into like, okay, we're on board. How do we do this? How do we make that shift? Yeah, I just you will talk about that. Um, I wanted to just <laughs> follow on on what you said because I think boards often get, or organizations for that matter, right? They get to this place where, like, we need just like you said, we need to have more people in the room that represent these different perspectives. But if that is where it ends, then the people, just like you're saying, they get disenchanted and they leave. So there are structures that you need once those people are in the room that you you really need to be thoughtful about in order to get to leverage the power of the people you've brought on board, right? Like this is what we're trying to do. And and I feel like decision-making is a lovely place to focus because you need to make decisions in order to restructure the world to be the way you want to see it, right? So you have to manage that decision-making process in order to get to that place where you can really um, get those perspectives in the room. Well, there are a ton of other things you can do. Um, There are... uh, there are, but they would fall under the umbrella, I would say, of more, more structure. Simple structure is better than complicated structure in my book. But in my book, also to have some structure is better than no structure. I think the bias is towards uh, let's just make this happen. We're informal, like we'll just talk. We don't have to have a lot of rules. If you're the one in power, it's super easy for you to not understand how it feels if you don't have power, to feel like, I have an open door. People can just come in and talk to me. They're not going to do that unless there's like a time in the week when you're allowed to come in and talk, right? So decision-making, it's the same thing. You need to have ways that are very clear and laid out so that people say, oh, this is how I, I put my voice into the room. So some people do rounds, right? In sociocracy, a particular method, you'll have structure rounds where everybody speaks in turn. And that feels a little uh, little strange, but often people understand the benefits and get really used to talking in rounds. So that's one way. Um, another way that I, I use a lot with different groups is the gradients of agreement tool, where you can even just hold up fingers to represent where you are, how you're feeling about it right now on a scale of one to eight. 
So that's a, a good way to, without even talking, you can get into the room, how people are feeling. So even if you went like to two thirds majority vote, right? That, that means you have to have a certain level of discussion in order to get that. So there's just easy tweaks you can make. Mm, I think that's so important. And I love the way you frame it as structure because you're right. Unstructured leaves it to the people who are most comfortable speaking up. And we know that that's not everyone, yes. but that the we still need to hear the voices of those who aren't comfortable. So um, I love that idea, like where speaking up is actually part, like doing the rounds, making sure that everyone has the time and space to not be interrupted and to weigh in. Um, or even again, the, that gradients of agreement, I think is so cool because you can you, people don't even have to, to talk, right? You can sort of weigh in, um, in a way that sort of, again, it's part of the expectation. Everyone knows it's coming, uh, but it doesn't put you on the spot in the same way. Um, so, so how do we, so once we, how do we move from that hearing of everyone and having people give them structure to be heard or contribute to the conversation? How do we move that to then, okay, making some decisions or even, even before we make decisions, understanding how to have a conversation when there is broad disagreement or where people, you know, where, where people aren't on the same page. Let's start with that. So how do we move from like, let's say we go around the room, we say, okay, gradients of agreement. Whoa, we're all over the place. Yeah. How do we move from that to getting, (laughs) yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful moment. I think that what we tend, I realize as a facilitator, because I, I do this for a living, right? So so that I am usually happy if everybody's in agreement. It means it's going to be easy. It means it's going to be efficient. But mm-hmm. I have to watch myself and be, that is not the optimal place for this group, right? We, we don't want people at each other's throats. But to have everybody agreeing is not the best outcome for this group. We want to be able to see that disagreement. So actually just to frame up this as like disagreement is healthy and good. And we want to surface that and learn what we can do better, right? So then you need a structure. Okay, it depends. Like how polarized are people? Like one of the things that the gradients allows us to do is to say, oh, wow, we've got a bunch of people at the top end and a bunch of people who aren't happy. We're not going to do anything today. We need to go and figure out what to talk to everybody and understand some different proposals. Like we're not ready to make a decision right now. So that makes that very visually clear if that's where you are. If you have, you know, there's different scenarios that if you have one person who's at one side and a bunch of people at the other, right, there's different ways that you can manage that. But I think that ultimately, again, like in the sociocratic method, what you'll have to do is that people say, okay, uh, make like what what's really going on? What is your concern? Okay, that is a concern that belongs to all of us. How do we now uh, incorporate that into our thinking? There's a training that comes with group decision-making around thinking about the group as opposed, as opposed to about yourself. And that's hard. I think that mm-hmm. we're much more uh, programmed to be able to say, here's my opinion, than to say, here's what I think we need. That's a, that's a shift in the conversation mm-hmm. and it's a little counter-cultural, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Interesting. And I, I, you know, you said we, we want to see the disagreement. I think that that is so important to to reframe or restructure as you're saying you know not being on the same page isn't a bad thing 
right? We're uncovering opportunity, new perspectives. Those all strengthen the ultimate decision, right? We can then move into a decision feeling like we've actually leveraged the diverse opinions, which I think is hopefully going to lead to better decisions, right? It's so much more robust. And I think that if you can do that well as a group, you get faith that you're going to be able to get through that. And it's a wonderful momentum that builds. It doesn't become like, "Uh uh-oh, someone said something that isn't what I want. Now I have to fight. Like That's a particular kind of energy. And instead to be able to say, oh, we're going to have a better outcome if we can figure out how to make this work for everybody there was a woman I was years and years ago, I was explaining some uh, some group decision-making in a different context. And a woman who was really new to that kind of group, she, she was like, oh, I get it. She had been on crew and she had had experience being in, in crew. And she was like, oh, it's that moment where we all put our oars in the water and the boat lifts out of the water. Mm. Looks forward. And she just knew kind of physically what it felt like when everyone is pulling at the same time. Who doesn't want that? That is so much more exciting than like being the lone person breaking the ribbon, right? That's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant way to feel as a group. Oh, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about I, I want to deep dive a little bit more into, okay, so we have difference of opinion. We have even, I think it's practice to get us to see that as productive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so often I feel like we rush to the decision. That's the yes. outcome that we're aiming for instead of, in fact, the discussion is probably the outcome uh, that we're looking for. So how do we sit in that? I don't think people are comfortable sitting in a place where we don't agree, where we have to have these discussions, where we have to hear and we we want to lean. I, I'm going to say lean in. I don't even <laughs> like that term, but we want to lean into that and not rush to making those decisions. Do you have any suggestions or tools for, for organizations to work against our like base instinct of like, okay, what's next? How do we do this? Okay. How do we, how do we either please everyone or how do I get my points across? You know, I feel like these uh, habits come out when that, that happens that are not necessarily the most productive. We were talking at the beginning about sort of how decision-making plays into restructuring society. And I have a naturally sort of fast pace, so I am really guilty of this. But speed is one of the ways that our society is kind of programmed. And if we want to make these good decisions, we have to slow down. And so we understand that we have a high cultural value around efficiency. Efficiency works against good decision-making. Well, it's not, I'm sorry. Don't, don't put that in your podcast. <laughs> I, we can also have efficiency, but we can do it with a robust process. But if we really try and rush, you were talking about kind of sitting in the the what is in, in one of the books that I just love about participatory decision making. It talks about the grown zone. You normalize the grown zone. You get this the time when you're opening up the discussion, and everybody's like, "Why aren't we decided yet?" That's the place where you need to have some some tools, some structures, some practices to be able to say, okay, what are the different perspectives? What are the different needs that are coming up here? What are some possibilities? Not to try really, really quickly to get to that to that place. And adding to what you're saying, I think it's also important to sit in your decision. Mm. I think that we don't tend, like when I'm working on strategic planning with groups, 
I, I try and get the language around their goals. And I'm like, okay, have we really decided? And I go through the gradients and I want them to see like, oh, this is what we're decided. There's a weight to that. We have now adopted this. We can change it. We're not locked in, but we need to understand that this is what we have taken on and own that in a way that many people don't own the decision because it's now just a tick. You know, they've got it off the list and they can move on. So those both like kind of leaning in or sitting in both of those spaces, I think is really important. Excellent. Um, Now that we've heard everyone, we've reinforced, we spend some time in that zone. How do we then actually make a decision? Because again, I feel like that that's another point where we could revert back to, you know, that like, okay, who's dominant or like, let's just vote or, you know, what have you majority rules. So how do we move from having the conversation to saying, okay, we, we do need to make a decision. Obviously we have to move forward. How do we continue with our intentions uh, and build that into the actual decision-making process? Well, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And ultimately, what's important is that the group decides. If the group decides we we're really ready to have a two-thirds majority or simple majority, that's okay, as long as they're clear on what they want. Or they could say, we want to be able to have a consent process where we, you know, where we come up with something that everyone can live with, even if it's not their personal preference, or we're looking for consensus, like straight up. You know, those all are possibilities. And you know, even when I was reviewing material, there's a model where a leader hears from people and then makes a decision themselves. Even that has integrity as long as it's clear to everybody what's happening. And that wrote, that wrote discussion is robust where everybody's able to really explore and not just say what they think the leader wants them to say. So to still like there's a lot of valid options, but to have people engaged and sort of bought into those options is most important. Mm, so again, I think you said this right at the beginning. One of the problems is people don't understand how... Yes decisions are made. Once you know that process, (laughs) I think most people will be comfortable with the transparency, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I get this. This is what happens. This is how I can contribute at different points along the decision-making process or to the decision itself. So it's not that there's a good way or bad way. It's that the clarity and the transparency is is there. Bingo. (laughs) Excellent. I want to spend the last few minutes because we're running out of time, but you mentioned at the beginning who is interested versus who doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love to understand how you build that into the process uh, in a meaningful way. So people are, I don't want to say don't check out. I don't think it, people will naturally, some people will just check out and say, oh, this doesn't affect me. I'm not interested. Um, but I also think that there's some people who need to invest more, like need to be more interested, right? So how do we, how do we have that conversation or how do we figure out, you know, what, what is someone's even, you know, what is a board decision versus an executive director decision versus a management decision? Um, and sometimes, I, yeah, aligning, I guess, is the right word, aligning that who's invested and how do they, how are they involved in that process? Okay. Yeah. There's a lot there. Um, so I'm going to pick out one part of that. Um, 
when we're talking about, I, I am deeply committed to a world where we have the ability to have a voice in decisions that affect us, right? That is the kind of world that I am trying to build in organizations primarily. Um, that said, we have X amount of attention that we budget. And I I'll notice myself constantly scanning. Do I need to pay attention here or here? Like there is a, a constant scanning. So it's really helpful to kind of have a sense of where I um, am going to invest and where I'm not going to invest. So one part of this is just clear um, clear roles about who, the, again, within an organization, we are clear with the board and the ED. Like we know which decisions, it's very clear which decisions are made by each body, that there's clarity around that and that's held by the whole organization. And another part of that is that, um, as an individual that um, I have been able to, if, if I don't want to participate in the decision, that I make it very clear that I am willing to go along. There's none of this like, you guys made a decision and I'm not, I'm going to come back later that you say, okay, you're, you're opting out. That's totally okay. But you understand that you are going to follow through with whatever the decision is that you did not decide to have a voice in at this time. Um, this gradients tool that I've been mentioning um, if there's some moments or even without the gradients tool, if there's moments as a facilitator where I don't sense a lot of energy around a decision. And it's really good to call that out and be like, what's going on here? We shouldn't be making a decision if nobody cares. That's another thing we need to understand, right? It's bad use of our time. Or if nobody cares, why? What should we be really thinking about right now? So that's another element of this. Let's put our time into what we care about. For so. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. You've left us with so much great content. I feel like this is going to take people very far with their work and in their organizations. So this is amazing. Susan, where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about your work? So I, uh, I'm a consultant. I have a website. It is www.slouks.net. Um, and, uh, there's, there's information there. Amazing. Thank you again. Uh, like I said, I think this is such a valuable conversation and of course to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of the small nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by the good partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.